Welcome to Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have our third edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly recap of the latest action happening across the college tennis world. Of course, national indoors looming for both the Division I men and women. Perhaps some of you can see in the background, I am recording today's show live from the Nielsen Tennis Center in Madison, Wisconsin, getting ready for the Division I Women's National Indoor Championships, which begin tomorrow. Of course, you can follow all of the action on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Myself, of course, Mike Cation, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, going to be on the call over the next four days as we watch 16 of the top women's college tennis teams in the country compete for the right to be named the ITA National Indoor Champion. Of course, before we celebrate Division One women's college tennis this weekend, though, we got to recap the past week in men's Division One action quite the week of college tennis results. Of course, all of us well aware already what went down in Columbus, Ohio State, pretty assertively defining themselves as the number one team in the country here. If you beat Tennessee 4-0 and then follow that up with a win over Virginia 4-0, I don't care if it's on the road. I don't care if it's a neutral site. I don't care if it's at home. You're going to get the college tennis world's attention. Certainly the Buckeyes have our attention. We'll talk about them at length here on today's show, but they weren't the only standouts. We want to talk in general, who were our most impressive teams of the week? What were the results that stood out to us most? That's where we're going to start our show, of course, after that, we got to get into some of the off-court things. We know latest edition of the ITA coaches poll, latest edition of the singles and doubles rankings. We'll talk about that. We'll unveil our latest Crack Rackets top 10 poll as well. And then last, but certainly not least, we'll get to the week ahead of matches. Yes, we're all going to be focused on the women's action happening this weekend, but certainly there's some fascinating and fantastic Division One men's action happening as well. And joining me on today's podcast, to do all of that, joining me to tolerate my monologues, as they always do, are the two other members of our Cracked Rackets College Tennis Holy Trinity. Let's start where we always start. Of course, you know one of our members as your co-favorite writer on our website, CrackedRackets.com, the former four-star recruit, better half of the Stokowiak brother duo. It's our friend, Mathis Crack Stokowiak. Maddie, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. Another week in the books. It was an exciting one, wasn't it? It was, man. I'm glad to be back on here with you guys. We had a bunch of good matches. I was able to uh, make it out to the NC State Georgia match. I'm sure we'll cover that here in a little bit. So, um, yeah, we're in the full swing of things now and uh, excited for some more good matches this weekend. No, the action only going to heat up from here. I'm curious. I want to ask your reaction unbiased. Daniel Westoff, Chris Halioris on the ones and twos for Ohio State, Tennessee. Maddie, you're going to keep it real as you always do. How was the Sans Gruskin performance from two of our four members here on today's show? It was good, man. I I, I have to say it was it was really good. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta step it up, Gruskin. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the, look, Chris Westoff, they know what they're doing, man. I you uh you, you got some big shoes to fill there. I was hoping you didn't, to you, didn't, you didn't like the there's the break on three. There's the <laughs> break on three. I was gonna pre-record tonight's intro and just go Maddie. Maddie and just like every so often, you know, Westoff just throws in a Maddie or just like a Christopher, Um, you know, I would say those are the noises I make most frequently here on our shows. But of course, 
Speaking of a man who makes nothing but noises throughout the course of his lifetime, the third member of our College Tennis Holy Trinity, who is joining us on the show today, of course, it goes by many monikers, the snitch, the professor, forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula predictions, never far from the list, UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. I know him best as a post-prime washed up Greg Maddox. It's our friend, Chris Halioris. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. It is weird for me to be here in Madison without you. Of course, the last time I was in this Nielsen Tennis Center, 2020 men's national indoors. It was the last pre-COVID thing pretty much any of us did as tennis fans in the tennis world. I'm back here. I don't see your smiling face beside me. It feels weird for me. I'm sure you're sitting pretty right now at home, though. Yeah, I mean, it smells much better here. Uh, (laughs) But uh, (laughs) No, yeah, I definitely I I would love to be up there uh, with you. But uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be listening to you from home this weekend. That'll be the plan. Uh, you know, I think that's where you're best at home listening to me. That's where you've always thrived, Chris, as you know. But no, of course, I miss having both of you here as well. Nevertheless, excited to be here to call all the action. Of course, always excited as well to talk about the support we get from our friends at Swing Vision, the power behind this show, the reason we're able to do it week in, week out. And folks, I'm just telling you, Swing Vision heading in all the right directions we want as tennis fans. We're going to be able to automate uh, all, all of our line calling moving forward. We're going to be able to do all these exceptional and incredible things. And that's a huge testament to the work being done by our friends at Swing Vision, the technology they are developing. It's the future, folks. You can learn more about Swing Vision, of course, by clicking on the link here in our podcast episode description. With all of that said, gentlemen, let's get into it. What a week of Division One men's college tennis. Now, normally when we start with our teams of the the week. We start at number three. We build our way up to number one. That said, we felt it would be disrespectful and disingenuous to all of you listeners, to all of you fans to start with anything but our number one most impressive team of the weekend. And the story right now in men's college tennis, it has to be the Ohio State Buckeyes. And you look for these Buckeyes at teams we were certainly high on entering the season. And we knew right away with the schedule they were playing, even outside of traveling to Carolina for the national kickoff, uh, you know, the kickoff weekend. They had Illinois on the road right away to start the season. Well, they beat a downtrodden Illinois team 4-0, an Illinois team that didn't have all of its pieces in the lineup as such was hard to read anything from that. You know, then this Buckeye team goes to North Carolina. And sure, you know, Carolina been one of the best schools, top five program over the past five years, maybe over the past eight years throughout the Schneider Blumberg era of Carolina tennis. That said, no Blumberg this year, no Hijikata. You felt like, you know, again, yes, it was a great win for Ohio State 4-0 over the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. That said, did we really learn everything about the Buckeyes yet? It's still fight like, no, maybe not quite yet. Then we get to this weekend. Yes, Tennessee doesn't have Blaze Bicknell. That doesn't matter. They've already beaten TCU. They've already beaten Wake Forest. They were your number one team in the country coming into this matchup against the Buckeyes. Buckeyes beat them 4-0. Take doubles, straight set victories in their three singles wins. Easy as pie. Or easy as a slice of pie. What, I don't I never understood that. But, you know, easy pie, that analogy, it was that easy. For the Buckeyes, easy as Coach Tucker slipping into his pair of sweatpants before any match. That's how easy it was. Of course, you think to yourself, okay, that would have been a good weekend enough, as is. Then the Cavaliers come to town. The same University of Virginia team that has tormented this Buckeye team throughout the coach 
of Coach Ty Tucker, a tenure of Coach Ty Tucker, a team that came last year to Columbus, opening weekend of the Ty Tucker Center. Virginia knocks off the Buckeyes to reach the final eight at the national indoors. Now, again, I apologize for the monologues here, folks, but I just wanted to set the scene for all of you listeners and to say that you look for this Buckeye team. Now, not only do they get a 4-0 win over Tennessee, not only do they get a 4-0 win over Virginia, but fellas, and I'm going to start with you, Matt, this team now 7-0, they've dropped one point on the season in their first seven matches, it was a Cannon Kingsley loss to Xavier. Now, that same Cannon Kingsley beats Monday this weekend, beats Rodesh this weekend. Maddie, Ohio State, you're on equivocal number one. And let me tell you, they're the favorites entering the national indoors as well. I, I agree. There's no way you can say anything other than that. I mean, they're just so good. And, and guys, we figured that this might happen, right? We talked preseason about how good their doubles was going to be. You know, when you go into singles up 1-0 every time, I mean, that takes a lot of pressure off and, and they're good enough to find three singles matches. But yeah, no, up and down the lineup. I mean, everybody's contributing and Cannon Kingsley. Yeah. So what? He loses a match that doesn't really matter when it's prime time. The guy's going to show up. That's just what he does. I don't have any doubts about that. So, um, statement performances by the Buckeyes, but I do want to revisit. It was funny, right? Last week, I believe Scotty asked us a question and said, is Ohio state more likely to go and two or one and one this week? Remember that Chris? And, yep. and we both kind of said, you know what? I think they're probably going to go two and oh, more than likely. And sure enough, I mean, four Oh, four Oh, like you said, Gruskin easy as a slice of pie or whatever. Um, I- I'm not, I'm not totally shocked. I mean, these matches were in Columbus. The Buckeyes are so tough to beat there at home, uh, even though Virginia did last year, but not the same case this year. Right now, for me, Ohio State is clearly the number one team in the country. No question. Chris, you've eaten a lot of pie in your day. Was it that easy for the Buckeyes this weekend? I mean, as an expert, I can say it was that easy. (laughs) Look at the scores <laughs> slid down yeah. like a warm piece of apple pie with a nice scoop of vanilla on top. Yeah. I mean, that those were just, I mean, bo- both matches out of the gate quick and run away. I mean, it was, it was never in doubt. It wasn't, you know, you, you see your shares of four Oh four one matches where every other court looks like it's going three or you're losing and it's going to be super tight. That just wasn't the case. They didn't look like they were in danger ever in both days. When they won, they had another another match, either on match point or within two matches of match point. Uh, it was, yeah, it was just, it was a, a blitzkrieg right from the get-go. So I want to push back their excellent use of the term blitzkrieg, Chris. That's why we keep you on, Professor. But I want to use, uh, I want to push back a little bit there. Because I, I do want to say against Virginia, that was an old-fashioned butt kicking. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Kingsley was on top from the get-go. And, you know, all these guys, you look at just the score lines, Votesel, three and three, not even a five-all bonus time in the set. No tiebreaker played there. And, you know, for Gianni Ross, who's or, or for J.J. Tracy, excuse me, up 7-5-5-0 as well. And just, you know, again, there are three wins against Virginia, three and three, three and two, three and two. That's a butt kicking. However... You look at their matchup against Tennessee, Chris, and I actually think this is what makes me most frightened to play the Buckeyes here, Maddie. There was a moment where, as this Tennessee team is so fond and you know able to do, where they made their push. And you look at those first sets, pretty simultaneously, it was five all between Votzel and Walton, five all between Cannon and Monday, five all between Tracy Diaz, five all Cash Hud, five all Boulay Mitsui, Maddie. 
Ohio State ends up with four out of those five first sets that get to five all. And, you know, I talked to Cannon Kingsley. You're going to get to hear that conversation momentarily here on our show. But you talk about this, you know, what they added to the lineup, this team in Votzel and in Van Ember. There's just an energy and a poise, it feels like, to both of those players that has trickled through the rest of the lineup. And of course, it's trickled through the rest of the lineup that are all returners as well. So it's just like, and again, it's indoors. I want to stress this. We're still indoors. But being indoors, Maddie, this team has every ingredient. Yeah, of course they do. I mean, doubles, singles, number one, two, three. I mean, you go throughout the lineup. And, and, and literally, really... by the way, one and two doubles are ranked one and two in one the country. One and two, right. Like, come on now. Exactly. It's as good as it gets. And, and those guys that you mentioned in Vossel and, and Van Emberg, these are experienced players, right? I mean, they're older. They've been around for multiple years. They both came from the Big 12, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Um, so they played in big matches, right, before. This is nothing new to them. They were outstanding pickups. We knew this in the offseason. When those guys made that call to transfer, we said, oh, wow, you know, Ohio State may lose a John McNally and a Kyle Seelig, but when you can bring in Mate Vossel and Jake Van Emberg, yeah, you don't miss a beat. So it is indoors, like you said, Gruskin. I do, you know, Ohio State is always a little bit different outdoors. They just are. Every single year, they're a little bit different. But for right now, I mean, yeah, they're the favorite to win to win the national team indoors, in my opinion. Chris, is there anything this Ohio State team can do? They've got, got Kentucky this weekend, Wake Forest this weekend. Is there anything this Buckeye team can do to lose the number one seed come national indoors, or have they wrapped it up? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, if they lose one of these matches this weekend, they'll take the number one seed away from them, I, I would assume. Even uh, if I they mean, lose to Wake? Like, let's say they lose 4-3 to Wake. A 4-3 loss to Wake is less valuable than a 4-0 win over Tennessee and Virginia? Like, how? No, it's it, it's not so much that. It's the fact that uh, Baylor hasn't lost a match. Uh, sure. Duh. And That's Baylor so, plays duh. Virginia this week. Uh, That's another good right. one. So, yeah, but I mean, if, if Baylor puts up you know, the win they had over Texas and puts up a win over Virginia and Ohio State takes a loss. There's right. no question that then you have to make Baylor the number one seed. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, that past that, now when you get down to, say, your TCU, Tennessee, and we have to throw Florida out because they lost to TCU. There's no way you can put them in front. So but if we start talking TCU, Tennessee versus a one-loss Ohio State team, yeah, I still think you put Ohio State in front of them just because of the number of quality wins that they will have had versus the number of quality wins that those other teams have had so far. Yeah, no, it's fair. Maddie, final question here on this team goes to you again. Trotter at four, Tracy at five. They've played around with the order there. And, or, you know, and it does seem like they're managing to slip Tracy, who makes quarterfinals at the two major fall events, into that number five singles position. You know, they've messed around with Vot, uh, with Votzel and Cash at the number two double spot. Everyone, every coach. Let me just say, I filed the challenge for you, all the coaches. You don't have to challenge that at the national indoors. Don't worry. Votzel and Cash will end up being one. Trotter Boulay end up at that number two spot. I mean, you look at the schedule, Maddie. What more do you want to see from these Buckeyes? Like, what's the next thing you need to see from them? No, I just think we need to get to indoors, right? I'm sure. fully expecting sure. them to beat Kentucky and Wake. If that, if those are their next two matches, I fully expect them to get through those without too much trouble. The next step is just indoors, right? When it's mm-hmm. when it's tournament time, 
they're most likely going to be the number one seed. They're going to have a target on their back. I mean, every team there is going to be gunning for Ohio State. That's when I want to see these guys perform. And they proved, you know, like you said, Gruskin, in that Tennessee match, they were a little bit more clutch, right? Those seven, Mm -hmm. five, those seven, six type of sets that they won. We need to continue to see that. And and I'll be watching them at indoors, but there's nothing that they can really show me prior to that. I mean, so what? They're going to blow out Kentucky 4-0 and beat Wake 4-1 or whatever. I mean, okay, that's fine. I mean, but that's not really going to show me that much. We'll see at indoors. 20 bucks says this is the first match Liam Drexel wins in straight sets just because this is when we doubt him most and this is when he comes in and shines through. But I I wouldn't bank on that. Yeah, no, but uh, of course, who might Drexel face? He's going to face the guy we had the chance to speak with on today's show. And of course, always a pleasure to get to chat with Project Elite's very own Canon Kingsley. Of course, Kingsley 4-0 for the Buckeyes this past weekend, a win over Monday at the number two singles position against Tennessee, a win over Chris Rodash at the number one singles position against UVA. He and JJ Tracy also partnered at that number three doubles position to earn two victories on the day. We have a chance to sit down with Canon Kingsley. Now, as always, you can hear the extended conversation tomorrow on the Crack interviews podcast but we have a snippet for all of you listeners today about how he and the Buckeyes are feeling headed into another champ uh, another difficult weekend and of course what they credit the strong start to 2022 to uh, with that in mind super producer Daniel Westhoff roll the clip here is my conversation with Ohio State's Cannon Kingsley on the show here tonight is a returning champion to our Cracked Rackets podcast of course you know him best as a former All-American, number one singles player, number three doubles player now for the Ohio State men's tennis team coming off of a 2-0 weekend where his team knocked off number one University of Tennessee, knocked off a top six team in University of Virginia, as well as our friend Ohio State's Cannon Kingsley. Cannon, welcome back to the show. Congratulations on the victories, my friend. How are things going in Columbus? Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's always good to be on here talking to you and uh, everything's been good in Columbus. You know, we're right back to work after that good weekend. So getting ready for another big one tomorrow against Kentucky. So, yeah, no, no doubt about that. And I want to ask about both of the matches. I have to start with Virginia because last year, opening of the Ty Tucker Tennis Center, first weekend in the new building, ITA kickoff weekend, who's come to Columbus, they knock you off. You can't tell me you didn't have that in the back of your mind as today's match was played out, right? That had to have felt like a good victory for the Buckeyes. Yeah. No, I was I was definitely thinking about that. I was remembering last year. You know, UVA pretty much brought back the same squad minus Carl Soderlund. And we pretty much, I mean, we got a couple new guys, but, you know, a few of the guys remembered last year. And um, I think just the way we did it uh, on Sunday and how we, how we beat them, I think shows how much a lot of the guys on the team have improved and, and uh, also gotten more comfortable in our new building. Obviously, last year, that was our first match in the new building. And, you know, the courts are a little bit slower than our old indoor was so fast. And we had such an advantage in there. Um, you know, in addition to that, we were able to have our full crowd. We had about 500 people out in the match. And the Buckeye crowd, when they come out, and we got over 400, 500 people stuff to play us. And I think that definitely showed. Um, but, yeah, no, it was definitely a good revenge match. And, you know. I think uh, as a team, I, we've just been clicking, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I know I'm curious. So a couple of things that I have to follow up on a you talk about that energy in the building. 
you could hear every one of those 400 to 500 people through the live stream. It was, a, you know, that uh, an electric atmosphere. No other word about that. You look at the doubles point for you guys, uh, you know, throughout the course of the weekend. And obviously, you know, Votzel and Cash are number one in the country. Trotter Boulay, number two in the country. But you look for you and JJ who get wins at the number three doubles position, not only against Tennessee, but against Virginia as well. How helpful was that energy? And what do you credit, you know, getting off that fast start in doubles in both matches? Yeah, no, I mean, having two teams like Trotter and Boulay and Cash and Vosel kind of takes some pressure off of me and JJ, to be honest. And I feel like that's a big part of why we're winning so much is because, you know, us winning is like gravy on top of it because, you know, we're guaranteed, you know, almost almost a guarantee, you know, to have Cash and Vosel and Boulay and Trotter getting a couple wins too. So, I mean, uh, we've been playing pretty free. I mean, uh, me and JJ obviously had experience last year playing together a little bit during the season. And this year we've been uh, kind of full time together. So. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's been good. We've been clicking and, uh, hopefully we keep it going. Mm-hmm. How, good are, how, good are, how good are Mate and Robbie just out of curiosity because they They're, haven't lost yet. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell how good they actually are just because they haven't lost. So, yeah. I mean, I, they're the best team in the country, in my opinion. I think a lot of people would agree with me, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're a lock. I mean, playing them in practice is nearly impossible to win a practice set. So, yeah. um, no, they're, they're a very good team. And, and, uh, I think just in general and doubles, I think we've gotten a lot better this year and, uh, you know, taking that momentum from the fall, the success they had in the fall and bringing it right into the spring. So it's been good. No, no doubt about that. And you talk about your team capitalizing on momentum. I want to go back to, you know, the ends of the first sets in both, uh, the Tennessee match and the Virginia match. And you look at that Tennessee match, you know, first sets coming down to the wire votes. So Walton five, all yourself, Monday, five all Tracy Diaz five all cash HUD five all Boulay Minsui five all you guys take four of those five first sets and you know again watching your team play last season you still made an NCAA round of 16 obviously for most teams that would be the standard you try to hit that would be considered a successful season it does feel like though for your team you guys seem to have a bit of an edge to start the year and it feels like in those tight you know clutch moments there down the first stretch you know, you guys were the closer team. You guys had that much more energy down the uh, down the fight. Now, of course, certainly helps to be at home. But are you guys playing with an edge to start the season? Is that a fair assessment? That is a fair assessment. Um, I think mentally, I think we've been prepared pretty well for this year. I think in practice, we're put in tough situations all the time. Uh, a lot of pressure on us in practice pretty much every day to, you know, do things the right way and to compete well. And I think that it's kind of gone straight into the matches and um, obviously being at home helps with the energy aspect of it. But I think we also did a good job at UNC with the energy. And now even though we're an opposing crowd and I think winning some, some close sets there too um, was big and yeah, no, I mean, at least for me personally, I've saved multiple set points and a few different tiebreakers in the last three, four matches. So I think uh, definitely I've, I've gotten better in those breakers and those, those tight sets and kind of staying calm and, um, I definitely am feeling a little more confident, you know, when, it, when the match gets close and relying on my teammates as well to be able to do the same thing. So, yeah, no, it feels like across the board again, all of the guys coming through thus far. I want to talk to you about the two newcomers who are obviously both experienced players in college tennis to have Mate and Jake in the top half of your lineup. Not only what that does to, you know, have JJ Tracy at five singles, coach Tucker pulling a fast, fast one on all of us once again. 
But to have Jake, to have Mate, and, you know, I was at the Illinois match. There was a fight that Jake was playing with at number three against a guy in Alex Brown who, you know, Buckeye is very familiar with. You know where that fight's going to come. And it just felt like Jake brought in energy and Mate brings a poise that I don't want to say were lacking last season, but they are additional, you know, veteran components that I feel like takes this team over the hump. Again, is that fair? Yep, that's 100% accurate. I think uh, Jake definitely brings a, a energy aspect. Uh, I think Mate does the same thing. Um, you know, those guys have played college tennis for I don't know how many years. I mean, Jake's in his fifth year. Mate's in his probably his fourth year, I think. And no, those guys definitely bring a little bit of level of experience. I mean, obviously, they were playing on two teams that were that were good teams, but they weren't you know competing for national championships. So I think they kind of have uh, this kind of mindset. You know, this is the year. They this is the time to win a championship, win a couple of rings. And I think that they're kind of playing with a little bit of fire in their hearts for sure uh, to try and get that. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And again, you look for you personally because I've avoided this question, but I got to ask it, you know, six and five over Monday and what was it? Three and two or three and three over road dash. And, you know, you're up a set and five one against uh Cernock, I believe when you're going to North Carolina that week before you play the best ball of your career right now, Cannon. Certainly you look at the results. It feels like you might just be. Um, I think last weekend was definitely, uh, it was probably the best weekend of top, top two weekends I've had in college tennis, um, getting to top 13 wins, I think was huge. I mean, but you know, I feel like at the same time, like, you know, two weeks before that, I think I had the worst week of college tennis in my career and I had probably the worst loss yeah, that I've had maybe in my tennis career. And I think, you know, having that loss is a big factor into why I had such a successful weekend. And why I played well at UNC as well. And I think, you know, I could have taken two routes after losing that match against Xavier. And uh, I chose, you know, obviously to, um, you know, not, you know, sulk and get upset mm-hmm. over it and downward spiral. But I, I definitely turned, turned myself around a little bit and changed a few things. And I think it's been working out for me pretty well. No, I would agree with you. How hard have you been fighting Coach Tucker to play that number three double spot? Uh, it's it's a battle. I mean, we got guys competing for the double spot, like Trey, you know, every practice, every point matters when we're practicing, you know, he's looking at everything, you know, how we're volleying, how we're returning, you know, our attitudes, everything, everything matters in practice. So, I mean, we got, got about four, four guys that are all competing for two spots in the, in the three doubles. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he takes me out here and there, puts someone else in, moves me around, you know, moves other people down to three, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, Crow and Crow and Ty's job move around the lineup. But, you know, I think as long as I keep doing my job, I'll, I'll stay in there, I think. But, you know, anything fewer than 10 doubles teams, you feel disappointed at the end of the season from Coach Tucker. And so, <laughs> you know, with that in mind, you talk about the experimentation. Obviously, you guys got to find your lineup right away as you've already played matches like Tennessee, like Virginia. This weekend, you've got Kentucky at home on Friday. You've got Wake Forest at home on Sunday. How are the boys feeling? How have you guys refocused as you look towards this weekend? Yeah, no, I mean, we kind of, you know, we celebrated, you know, a little bit like for a day and after we beat Tennessee and Virginia. And then right after that, we kind of refocused on Kentucky and we've been, uh, you know, real focused on that. Also, Wake Forest, obviously. And, uh, you know, two two more top 10 teams. Um, I think Kentucky is really a top five team at this point. Um, I think they're a little underrated, but um, Wake Forest as well is obviously six in the country. So, I mean, they got depth in their lineups, good, good guys at the top. So, I mean... <sighs> You know, we're going to have a work cut out for us, but we're playing at home. We got confidence. We got momentum. So, you know, I think we can beat anyone in the country. So I'm not not too worried. But, um, you know, obviously 
we got to be, we got to be ready. I love it. Does Coach Tucker show you his personal top ten rankings? So I've asked him for years. He, he changes like, it pretty much every <laughs> every time we play. So whatever team we're playing next, this is the best team in the country. You know, <laughs> he changed every every single week. You know, it's a new it's a new team. So oh, uh, he hasn't he hasn't put us up there at the top yet, but on his yeah. personal. I talked to him. I go, you know, I ran the numbers out. It's Michigan average ranked five and a half in the Ty Tucker poll. I'm like five and a half. I'm like, there's a half ranking in the t- coach. Tucker poll. He's like, oh no, that we, we hold no expense here. So no, of course. But again, as you look for your team this weekend, national indoors coming up, what's going to take for the Buckeyes to continue to play their best tennis here in 2022? Yeah. I mean, as long as we're getting those doubles points, starting off strong, um, hold and serve. I mean, when we have the doubles point, I don't see how we can't find three points in the singles. Um, you know, I think, uh, for me personally, I just got to keep, you know, holding strong and, you know, winning those close sets. Like I've, I've been doing the last few matches. And, uh, I think down the lineup, we, we have depths and we have guys that are competing well and we're pretty connected as a team. So, um, yeah, I mean, as long as we just, you know, keep doing what we've been doing, I, I don't see any reason why we can't win the national indoors and, you know, be number one in the country at the end of the year. Absolutely. Well, again, it's been so fun to watch you guys start to the season. And obviously you have so much to do with that start, whether it be the surprising what happened at Xavier to Cannon Kingsley match all the way through now a fantastic weekend. Again, you're four and oh against two top six teams in the country. Uh, obviously, Cannon, always appreciate the chance to get the chance to, uh, to speak with you and wishing you and the Buckeyes success uh, throughout the course of the next few weeks. Yeah, well, thanks. Well, a huge thank you to Cannon Kingsley again for taking the time to chat with us here at Cracked Rackets. I have to say that's the first time I felt more handsome than the guest we've had in an interview. And I appreciate Cannon for keeping that camera work close to the screen. He wanted to make me look as good as possible. But of course, he's made the Buckeyes look as good as possible thus far through the season. Buckeyes 7-0 to this point of the year. Another big weekend against Kentucky and Wake Forest coming up. Huge thank you to Cannon for taking some time before those matches to chat with us. Couple of final thoughts on this Ohio State matchup and everything that happened this weekend in Columbus before we move on because there are a lot of other results for us to move on to. Let's talk about the hooking stuff from the get-go. And if you want to hear more from Cannon Kingsley, you can on our Cracked Interviews podcast. The reason I bring that up is in our long-form conversation, I asked him and I wanted, always leave a juicy nugget outside of the clip you show, right? Make people click on it moving further. I asked him, I said, you guys must have seen the clips going around. You guys must be aware of those sorts of things. What's your reaction to it? Does your team talk about it? Do you address it? Do you block it out? He says, look, you know, Coach Tucker makes it very clear. We don't do that at Ohio State. We're not blasting social media. We're not calling out these sorts of instances. He's like, believe me, we could check the tape. Like we'll find a bad call in every match that we've played. And I think that's where we have to start this conversation. Did the calls with Tracy look great? Absolutely not. Now, do I think there is any validity to checking a camera shot of a live stream secondhand, all of these different things? No, like, come on now. Everyone, every call looks close on a live stream. I think it's ridiculous to judge off of a stream. That said, I mean, Maddie, I'll start with you. Your reaction to all the hoopla that we had, you know, another close call series generates here in college tennis. Yeah, look, Gruskin, I mean, I'm kind of tired of it, to be honest with you. Like at this point, I mean, every year we're seeing people that are clipping line calls and everything. And look, if I'm not there in person, I mean, who am I to judge, right? Like if I'm there, if I'm watching the match, if I'm courtside, yeah, I can see it and I know what's going on. But 
Look, bad calls are made. We know this. It's college tennis. Guys are going to hook people. And then other guys just make calls that they may truly feel is the right call. And it's not. I mean, you know, their vision's poor or whatever it is. I mean, some people just make mistakes. It's a combination of everything. Um, But, you know, when I see something like that, a clip, yeah, I mean, obviously it looks like, oh, man, what a terrible call. And and those are made. I just I'm. It's college tennis. It's part of it. I wish we could get it cleaned up. I mean, I wish there was a way where we could have shot spot or Hawkeye on every single court and it calls the lines. You know, we have the electronic line calling and players don't have to make their own calls. I'd be good with that. I mean, I really would, but that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. We, we get what we get and, you know, hopefully some of these chair umpires can just pay a little bit more attention. That I think is a problem. You've got a referee on the court. They don't do their job. Most of the time, all you have is one job, watch the match. They don't even do that. So, so two follow-ups off of that. A couldn't agree with that sentiment more. So sick of it. Do you want to know why there's not broadcasting for some of these matches? Coaches don't want to deal with that. Every place like camera we enjoy is just opportunity to pull a clip like that. And you want to know the fastest way to losing broadcast college tennis matches is keep posting clips like that. And I just think long term, you know, because there is the idea of call it out, you know, put a spotlight on it. Don't allow these players to do that. Put some more pressure on them. But like to your point, it happens every match. And, you know, Having been a chair umpire and sitting in that throne, good luck. Far sideline, 115 mile per hour call. Like your guess is as good as the player's guess when you're in that position. So for me, the solution is A, especially at the end of a match, a line judge's day is not done in the office until every match is complete. Because if we're at a three-all scenario and there's one person in the chair and we have five Rome, you know, former chair umpires ready to officiate the match four on the sidelines. Let's go. Let's have share umpires the rest of the way. Let's never let a call dictate a result. But Chris, other than that, like, I really don't know what else there is for us to do. Now you say there's no solution. Two words, swing vision, give them a year, give them two years. They'll be there. But short of technology, Chris, short of having line judges move over, like that's really all I have to say on it. Like I'm, I am sick of the hoopla. I agree. Yeah, I, I'm sick of it too, but I do, I do think, and you, you hinted at it. The, the other solution is that the chairs have to be better at doing their job. So first of all, right there, because I've been through it, there is zero, you know, there, there, there's no physical testing other than getting an eye exam to say you're capable, right? I mean, that's probably not the best. Maybe there should actually be a little test, you know, a field test, if you will. Uh, but then sometimes maybe those people are capable of passing a field test and they're just not paying the best of attention during the match. Who knows? The problem is they have to be on the officials more. And I think for the sake of it, you know, just like they put out little, you know, they put out memos all the time about things to look for. I think they need to go through a phase where they let the officials get a little overzealous to the point where you don't have to be 100% deadlock sure the ball was out to overrule. If you're 98% sure that ball was not good because the player by definition is supposed to give the benefit of the doubt to the opponent. If Unless you are positive the ball's out, you're not supposed to call it. So you should be playing anything close. Let the officials call them out early, establish the tone that, no, we're not going to put up with this. We're not going to let this match go to the point where you guys are hooking each other. I'm, you know, I'm going to overrule early and get it out of the way, and that's going to force you guys to play the close balls 
then we're not even going to have a problem. I think that's the only other thing until we have a technology solution that you can do is is make some make the early calls, let the players know that you're not going to put up with the calls that are even marginally close. You play it if it's questionable and move on. And by the way, I don't mean to demonize because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was our friend Ethan who I've had the chance to speak with many a times who posted a clip about J.J. Tracy. Here's what I have to say. I really dislike when people like Brad Gilbert and Tracy Austin hop on the bandwagon and, you know, the random people of the world who have never said a, sorry, I almost swore West off, who have never said an effing word about college tennis. And now they think they can come in on their moral high ground and say, get this out of the game, legislate this out of the game. That guy, if it was my team, he'd be suspended for the next four weeks. It's like, I'm sorry, West off. It's going to slip out. Bullshit. Bullshit. That's what I have to say to that. That's absolute BS. Like under no circumstances. Is that going to be the case if you're coaching that team and you see that happen? Because again, is it an issue in college tennis? Absolutely. I agree with both of you guys. I'm sick of the hoopla. I'm sick of the freeloading people who use it as an opportunity to dunk on a 19, 20 year old kid who they have no idea the context of. I understand why fans post it. You're going to feel angry in the moment. But again, we're give us one more year of swing vision. Just trust our friends at swing vision, folks. Technology, as always, going to be the key out of this. With all that said, we're rapid fire through because we have spent far too much time on Columbus. Any different feelings about Tennessee or Virginia for you guys coming out of this loss? It was a bad loss, but I think it's had more to do about Ohio State than anything else, Maddie. I agree. For Tennessee, I mean, they played some of those matches pretty tough. And again, without Blaze Bicknell, who I'm not really expecting to see anytime soon, if at all this year. He makes a difference in that match. I think if he's in that lineup, I I think Tennessee can win a couple of those courts. So, no, I don't really feel any different about them or UVA. I mean, again, UVA just got smacked. But indoors in Columbus, I mean, that happens to a lot of teams. Let's see what UVA does against Baylor this weekend. I think that'll tell us a little bit more. That's a really good point, Chris. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's it's all about Ohio State. They were just that good. Uh, You know, the the thing that that I and I texted you guys about it over the weekend. I thought was, wow, we thought Harvard went to Virginia, got smoked, thought, oh, they're not that great. Then they go out and they beat Pepperdine. We're like, oh, wow, Harvard's actually pretty good. UVA, that must speak to how good they are. And then we see this. We're like, wow, Ohio State must be. I mean, they're they're just right now a level above everybody else. So uh, but as as we say every year. Let's, you know, let's get through the indoor season and get outdoors too. But absolutely, they're going to be, they're going to be the favorite for indoors. 1000%. I would say this. I still think you're, you're Tennessee. You say, all right, we had five really bad minutes at the end of the first set, like five really bad minutes for our team where four out of five sets don't break our way, but we're right there with this Columbus team and let's play them without the 400, 500 screaming Buckeyes behind us. And when we head out to Seattle, I should think if you're Tennessee, you can talk yourself into saying, yeah, we lost 4-0. It was not a bad 4-0. Virginia's was a bad 4-0, like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And that's why it's going to be fascinating to see the who's take on Baylor before the national indoor championships this weekend. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's move on to our most other, our other most impressive teams. Of course, we're 45 minutes in. We've talked about three teams thus far. Boy, did I miss you both here. Welcome to the deciding point, folks. We are back and in mid-season form. Let's move to the number two team on our list, a team that was in our preseason top 10, a team that, quite frankly, we have not uh, discussed with much depth thus far, not only this season, but I think throughout the course of last season as well, because we just didn't get to see much of them. And I, of course, am referring to the number two team on our list, the Stanford Cardinal, who 
unequivocally winners of the weekend as they take on their two biggest Pac-12 rivals, USC, UCLA. They give them the business. 4-1 win over USC, 6-1 win over UCLA. I think even more impressive than the wins was just the way that they did it in both matches. And you look for them against USC, they drop the doubles point. I mean, they go on a blitz against USC in singles, win through the three through six singles matches in straight sets. You want to show you're a good team, flash that depth, earn three through six wingles, that heart of the lineup in straight sets. Uh, of course, you look for the team the next day, you know, against UCLA, they bounce back, end up taking the doubles point as they should against UCLA, you know, earn wins at one through three spots in straight sets, get wins at five and six as well. I was wrong. I'm taking the L on this one, guys. And I want to start with you here, Maddie. This Stanford team is that good because you have to consider they're doing all of it without Tristan Boyer. That's right. What? Hey, we tried to tell you, Gruskin. You don't You're have right. any excuses. I was wrong. I'm taking the L. We, thank you. Okay. We tried to tell you. Um, this, this finally, guys, is what I've wanted to see out of this Stanford team. This past weekend, these are the results that I've been expecting. I mean, what they – not so much the UCLA match. I don't I, – I don't think UCLA is really all that good of a team. Can I say this? Is my UCLA rant from last week somewhat validated in your mind, Maddie? Somewhat? Uh, no, no, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that. Um, okay. I just don't. Th- <laughs> I'm not going to give you that, Gruskin. But okay. I just don't think I just don't think UCLA is is anywhere close to these top 10, top 15 type teams that are all in that mix. UCLA is nowhere near there. Now, are they top 25? Okay. Yeah. Maybe we have a conversation about that, but it's the USC match, which you referred to Gruskin. I mean, you drop the dubs point and then you win three, four, five, and six that easily. I mean, come on against USC, who is probably the biggest competition, you know, maybe throw Arizona in there in the conference I'm telling you, this is what I've I've been looking for out of Stanford. I am so excited to see them play at indoors against all of these top teams. They have as good a depth as anybody. I mean, you said, I mean, you're, they're, they're rolling. No Tristan Boyer yet. This team is dangerous. Like I thought they would be. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that we're finally getting to see some of these results. Yeah, no, look, I know a clean-shaven, handsome broadcaster who in the offseason predicted Axel Geller would play the number three singles position. Axel Geller has played number three singles for this team, and that's without Tristan Boyer in the lineup. And they haven't missed a beat. Six and zero overall, wins over Pepperdine. You know, win over UCF with yeah, not the greatest, but it was at UCF. So certainly, you know, that's a win you take early for a team that still is relatively inexperienced, just given everything that happened last season. Of course, now they beat SC at home. They beat UCLA at home. I mean, those, these are your Pac-12 favorites as of right now, right, Chris? And they've certainly earned it. It wouldn't shock me at all to see them a top-five seed at the National Indoors. Absolutely. I, they're, I mean, they're, they're right there in that, in that mix, right? I mean, that's, but they're, they've looked absolutely tremendous based off the last coaches poll. Uh, you know, I think, I think we all probably had them above Virginia, uh, but it's going to, it's going to be tough to get by the top five, the top five are in pretty decent shape there. Um, unless, like I said, and, and, you know, if Virginia manages to knock Baylor off, let's say, then may, maybe they could say Baylor would slip down below uh, Stanford. I don't know. But, but other than that, yeah, I think, I think six is very is probably a very realistic seedings for them at indoors. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, look, they've got Cal this weekend as well. 
Cal's looked pretty good also. I mean, it's really just who ha- who's beating up on UCLA on the West Coast right now. That's the latest story in this past week. It was Cal and Stanford that were able to do it and not to just keep beating the horse on the UCLA team because, again, they're extraordinarily young. But it's the fact that, again, to your point, it's the way the Cardinals earn victory ac- victories across the board. A, you know, for them, Geller beats Fry in straight sets. That's two veterans. You like to see Geller getting the better of Fry, particularly given the pedigree for both of them in their college careers thus far. But, you know, Bassing versus Peter Mock, that's two freshmen on the job. Bassing was the better freshman. Bassing came in as one of the highly touted freshmen in the country. Of course, between Chaudhry and, you know, Sridhar, all the options they have at the bottom of the lineup, you're starting to see that manifest itself. And then again, Ferry and Rothsart top 10 team in the country you know you get axel geller in any positions that's not number one doubles you feel like it's a strong foundation for your team final thought goes to you here maddie because this is a stanford team you've been pushing for a couple seasons now as good as they've looked i still have a lot of questions about them come the indoors i'm curious if you feel the same way well because they played a lot of their matches outdoors so how, yeah. how many matches have they even played indoors this year if any, I don't I don't think any yet I don't think any so that is going to be very interesting they played what six matches they're 6 and 0 oh, and all six have been played outdoors I think I, I could be mm-hmm. wrong on that I don't know for sure but I think you're right Gruskin yeah that the indoor tennis will be interesting but I Look, they're so talented. I don't really care. Like, I, you think Arthur Ferry's not going to play well indoors? You don't think Rozart and, and Geller are going to play good? They're going to play good indoors. I'm interested to see how the draw breaks down and, and who they end up playing. But look, there's not a team in that tournament at the National Indoors that should feel super comfortable about if they draw Stanford. I mean, Stanford can beat anybody. They're that good. And and we don't know what's going to happen with Boyer, too. I mean, hopefully he comes back soon because then you're I mean, you're looking and I mean, does Geller move down to four? Do you stick Boyer in at four? I mean, what what do you do there? I don't know, but it's all positive stuff for the Cardinal either way. Chris, you're giggling. It looks like you have one final thought. No, I was just laughing at Maddie's. Do you put Geller down to four? I think I think this was our th- this was this was a little side conversation that we had with where. Where do you 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 go to Axel and you say, Hey Axel, I I need you to take a couple quick beatdowns for me just so I can justify <laughs> sliding you down. Can you do that, please? Okay, thanks. Are you kidding? Uh, Axel yeah, would they're... wink and say, No, I'm just not playing my best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because there's no way the other coaches are gonna let you do that. You're gonna have to have justification for doing so. So yeah, but but no, with Boyer in there, man, I mean that top four is is as good as any top four out there. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's a really fun team. They're still untested. One to watch at the National Indoors, if for no other reason than to accumulate data on them. With that said, we're going to let you lead off here, Chris, because obviously all three of us have some conversations off mic and usually John Parsons, not usually, always now, John Parsons, the fourth member of our group chat, a team we have talked sneakily more about here to start the season than I expected us to is an ACC team. And yet, Chris, it's a team I want to start with your thoughts on first, because I know, you know, you have followed this NC State team pretty closely over the years, whether it be through the Lexi Galarno stretch, whether be through, you know, again, Coach Kyle Spencer has been extraordinarily kind to us over the years here at Cracked Rackets. And you look at this NC State team, they brought in the number one recruiting class in the country last season. Now, obviously, it doesn't matter how many recruits you bring in, you're never going to, thir- you're never going to truly replace 
an Alexis Galarno, you know, what an all American like that, a rock at the top of your lineup, what he does, not only with literal <laughs> results, but just the support and the confidence, his presence at the top offers everyone else on the team. You can never replace that. And yet you look for this team, Chris, four and two overall on the year last, you know, this past week, they lose four, three at home, dramatic match against Georgia. They then uh, host UCF. They earn a four Oh victory over them. Now this team also four, two win over Illinois to start the season. Six, one over Princeton, seven, Oh, over Campbell, their other loss four, two on the kickoff weekend to Ole Miss. But I really like what coach Spencer has building. And I think given how young this team is, Chris, to play Georgia that tight, and to get the win bounced back right away that next week against UCF. My takeaway from the first few weeks, why they're in this category, is I think this team is ready to compete for a top 16 seed this season. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win the ACC. I'm not trying to be ridiculous here. But this team is pretty good already, and that surprised me, Chris. Yeah, I mean, with with what they had for freshmen, we just didn't know. We knew you're losing Lexi, right? I mean, yeah. so anytime you lose that, both singles and doubles, you know you're taking a hit. But, I mean, the freshmen they've got in have, I mean, it's not, it's fairly rare that you get the freshmen to step in and be that good right away for them. We certainly weren't expecting, when you combine that with the fact that now somebody's got to step up into the one spot to take Lexi's uh, position and you've got a host of guys between Rafa and Katri and Rutsons that are that are all kind of up there, but they they were used to at least in in the in the you know Katri Rutsons position playing more down in that five six four five six spot. It's a big jump up for them, and man, every one of them has produced. They've just looked really really good to start the year. Even that four two loss uh, to to Ole Miss at Ole Miss, which. I've talked about countless times is such a hard place to play. I mean, I, I had tweeted out even during that match, look at the score sheet for it. Every other match was going to a tie break every set. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous how close that match was. And yeah, they, I mean, they had, you know, they were right there with, uh, you know, in the, in the Georgia match. Uh, I mean, it's these guys, the freshmen are good. Uh, and, and let's not forget, you know, we had talked last week, we said, Hey, they still got, they've got Barkai sitting on the bench. So if they need it, they've got a very, very talented seventh and maybe even deeper, but the way Salvestri and Schick have been playing right now, you, they're not going anywhere. They're in the lineup. Yeah. No, this team can play Maddie. And obviously it's one right nearby you. Were you at this Georgia match? I was, I was I, there. I saw give us the takeaway. Yeah, I saw every bit of it, and really, NC State probably should have won. I mean, they it was so close. Georgia, Georgia escaped. I mean, they barely got out of uh, out of Raleigh. Um, I, I was impressed as well with the Wolfpack, Chris. You kind of brought this up a few minutes ago. Just I noticed the improvements from some of the returning players. Right, the top three guys like Rafa and Katri and and Rosens and those guys. I mean, they, their game has has definitely improved over the past couple of seasons. There's no doubt about it. I think Coach Spencer's doing a good job with those guys. Um, you know, Rosens, I mean, he's playing Phil Henning, you know, at the number two position. And, I mean, the guy is just ripping serves. I mean, hard. I mean, 130-mile-an-hour serves indoors that he is just blasting. I was impressed. I wasn't expecting it. Um, you know, if he can continue to play at that level, that's, that's a really good sign. Um, and then they're young, you know, they've got these young guys that are playing well. It, it's an impressive team. I just, I don't know. You say top 16, Gruskin, I think, 
I think maybe they can push for that, but it's going to be tough. There's so much competition, right? I mean, we, we've got our top 15, 16 right now that are so, so good. It's going to be a battle, but yeah, I think I have to admit NC state, I think is going to be better this year than I, I really thought because you lose Alexi and you automatically think, okay, this team's going to go down. They're too young, relying on too many freshmen, but um they're going to be a force in the ACC. I, I'm very interested to see how they continue this season. And I'm also going to be interested to see how they, they transition outdoors. I noticed like a lot of these guys like Katri and, and Rosens and these, they, they play indoor tennis. I mean, they go for their shots. That's what they did against Georgia. They go for it. And you'll love to see that. But now if we move outdoors and we have elements, we have sun, we have wind, they're going to have to play a little bit differently. I do want to see that. Um, but, but overall I've, I've been impressed. I was, and I was there. I, I saw every match. Here's the big thing. Yes. Virginia and wake forest, probably still a step ahead of this NC state team, but anyone else in the conference, North Carolina do yep. all those other teams, NC state walks into all of those match thinking we are going to win this match. And you know, how many years in a row have we seen at least three ACC teams as top 16 seeds come the NCAA tournament. Certainly third place in the ACC conference is a position you feel good about. And it feels like for a very young team, this NC State uh, group already competing for that number three spot and might be the favorite by the time we get to the start of March, get to the start of conference play. Of course, we won't see them at the national indoors in Seattle last weekend, but you know, I don't know if there's any such thing as a good loss if you ask a coach, but that was a good 4-3 loss to Georgia the Great bounce back for a win over UCF. That is our third most impressive team of the week. And shout out to the NC State men and women. Whatever they're doing down there, it is working right now uh, in the college tennis. Uh, if for NC State from a college tennis perspective. With all that said, there are a lot of other good results for us to cycle through. And what we're going to do here, we're going to try and touch on as many of them as we can. We're going to put 15 minutes on the clock here, 15 minutes to try to get through all of them. I'm going to sit back here. I'm going to let you guys do the analyzing unless I just feel like you are, you know, ripping off my Wolverines. Let's be honest here. That's the match I'm most likely to jump in on. But we're going to put 15 minutes on the clock. You're trying to filter through all the results I noticed most pressingly, maybe at the end, if there's time left or Chris, Maddie, I'll ask you if I left anything out with that in mind, super producer, Daniel Westoff, put 15 minutes on the clock. Let's go through the rest of the past week of results in college tennis. We start wake forest four three win over UGA. Tell you more about UGA of late Maddie or tell you about this wake forest team. Yeah, I think a little more about UGA because I was at the NC State UGA match and I wasn't totally impressed with the Bulldogs. I, I, I was expecting more. Then they go up to Winston-Salem and they drop that match to the Deeks. I mean, not not a good weekend overall for Georgia. I know they beat NC State, but I'm telling you, they they shouldn't have. They, they really should have probably lost that the way that they were playing. So, um you guys know how high I was on Georgia, right? Preseason. I mean, this was a team that I thought, okay, top 10 for sure. But now, yeah, I mean, they, Trent Bride doesn't look the same to me. I mean, there's just, there's certain things with that team that I don't, I don't really love. Um, they've got some new guys, Tristan McCormick, who's played well and Hamish Stewart and these guys, but I don't know. I, some, there's some, part of that squad that I just feel like something's missing or it's not quite right. It's going to be interesting to see Georgia in the SEC because, I mean, every match is tough. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cooling down on Georgia a little bit, guys. Yeah, fair. Chris? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we were all probably kind of leaning uh, Wake heading into that based on what we'd seen. I will say the one takeaway for me out of that match is the reason I have been reluctant to get too high on Georgia yet is I haven't liked any options I've seen at number six. Mm-hmm. I actually was really, really impressed with Pena in that match. He looked, I mean, I kept, I kept waiting for him, as, as good as the level was, I kept waiting for him to go away and thinking, well, that's a match Wake has to count on winning. And it ended up being the match that, you know, they needed and it didn't go George's way, but I was impressed. He played really well. If that's the level they can get from him, I'm encouraged. I'm with Maddie on the, tr- and this happened last year with Bride. He just, you know, wins the first set and then 0 and 1. I don't know what happens. I don't know if he's got nagging injuries. I don't really know what the, what's going on there, but it just, it's almost like it's not the same guy and, and yeah. he just goes, something happens there. So, so I'm not sure what, what the deal is with Trent, but no, I, I mean, I do think that, that, uh, that, yeah, that was a little more telling about Georgia than, than it was wake. We kind of, we've got a pretty good read on wake at this point. I think I agree with you there. Chris, one more second here, Gruskin Pena didn't even play against NC state when Mm -hmm. I was in Raleigh. Correct. He didn't even play. So they've been playing Paulson most of the season at six Mm -hmm. and they finally gave Pena a shot, which is why I was encouraged to see that because I hadn't liked what they'd been doing at six. And I really like, and I, you know, I haven't seen enough opinion. His game indoors to me looked really good. He was hitting good winners from behind the baseline with pace clearly has some power. I don't know. You know, I I haven't seen enough of him to know how that'll translate, but I like him indoors. I agree. I agree. Trent has to step it up though for Georgia. Trent is the guy. I mean, he, he, I I don't know what's wrong, but he, to me, at NC State, he didn't look focused. He didn't look totally into that match. He was in and out. You know, he's looking around, and it just seemed like his mind might have been elsewhere. I don't know why, but he's they they need Trent Bride to step up for them for sure if they want to be a top ten team. This is going to sound very stupid. You know what they really need is Ethan Quinn to play this season. It's a shame they threw that red shirt on him because it does feel like man, you throw Quinn into this lineup and just things become that much easier. And so interesting choice there from Coach Hunt, Coach Diaz building for the future, obviously perhaps sacrificing something in the immediate, but I think you guys nailed it there. And we've talked a lot about Wake Schneider and Nava and Body, and we had a Kungu sighting today for the first time. And, you know, again, all these guys, still a lot of faces for us and Wake Forest. Really excited to see them compete at the National Indoors because clearly, as always, they're going to play everyone tough, one match we've got. Let's see here. I got all the way to Q in my list of A through Q matches we have. So whatever letter Q is in the alphabet, we're going to try and sneak them in here. TCU Ole Miss, 4-3, Horn Frogs. Maddie, that's your squad. Give me the takeaway. Yeah, I mean, that, that was an interesting match because I didn't really expect Ole Miss to go there and, and do two. I mean, they fought harder than I thought they would. Uh, you got to give credit to the Rebels. I mean, they showed up in Fort Worth there and they put on a pretty good performance. But but again, overall, TCU is just the more talented team. Um, so, I mean, that the result went the way that I thought it would. I You know, again, I think got to give some credit here to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. On that one. Are we sure San Colin didn't play for them? I thought I saw him in the lineup, Chris. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't think so. But yeah, I mean, they, they, TCU did what they had to do. They, they, they clinched it before, uh, you know, that, that no, match at number one ended up going to, uh, a, to a 10 pointer. 
Uh, and I, I don't know if any, I don't know if that any of the others did, but, but yeah. And then I think they didn't fin they didn't finish or they retired at six, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it was four one at the point of the clinch, but, but Ole Miss still, I mean, they, they, they put up a battle there and it's a, and it was a good, even though it was a 10 point or good win for Slavic to get over, over Famba. Uh, but, but yeah, I think TCU did what we expected and, and, same- and good to see Vive still playing. I was going to say, uh, at, this, at the same time, it still feels like TCU's not healthy, right? Like, it feels like either way, even with these wins, they're just not, Chris. Yeah, well, it's a little concerning when you see, you know, Fernley playing five games and retiring. Uh, now, you know, granted, it's a, it's a, I don't even, there, I, there's no cameras indoors. We weren't there. It's only five courts, so the match goes on late. Did he just... You know, did they agree to play up? What very well could have happened is they agreed to play it out. They clinched the match and Fernley's like, uh, look, I'm already kind of limping along here. There's no sense in me playing it. I'll just retire. And they could have just given, you know, he may not really have been hurt. Uh, just just retired because the match was already clinched. I don't know. But yeah, it's not the healthiest team in the world. So so it's always something to keep an eye on. I don't that's know. The that's the biggest gonna, concern yeah. with yes. TCU is just their health. I mean, we know they're talented. Every player listed on their roster is extremely talented. They have to stay healthy. That's really the only question that I have with that team. Other than that, they'll compete with anybody. Yeah, they call him Tim No Knees Rule for a reason. Um, yeah, no, again, you look for this team. Clearly, the talent is there. Uh, yeah, no, Fernley, what is he going to do? What about my ITA singles ranking? Like, no, 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 let's stay healthy. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, let's be ready for the national indoors. I agree with you there. <sighs> Should I bury it? No, nah, whatever. Harvard, 4-3 over Michigan. Go ahead, Maddie. Uh, no, not, I know. <laughs> not good, Gruskin. I mean, it's a team that I really wanted to see Michigan beat. Look, we know Harvard is a good team. Right, they're a, they're a very good team, but Michigan, how do we lose the doubles in that one? How do we lose the doubles in that one? We have yeah. Maloney and uh, who was playing too? Maloney and B. I think served for it at five four, or we're up like we had it on a racket. Just missed opportunities, man. That that's a match that you kind of look back on and go, oh, we probably shouldn't have lost that one. That to me was a tough loss. I really, I fully expected Michigan to go in there and, and win that match. So I think it's a bit of a setback for your Wolverines. I, I, I do think so, you know, but they're still a good team as well, right? Again, it's not like the, the sky is falling. Michigan will be okay, I think, um, you know, if Styler can stay on the court and everything. I mean, they need a full a full lineup there, Michigan does, but you know, they're, they're going to be tough anyway. It's just, that's one of those losses. It's like, okay, you really want to have that Harvard match in the win column. And, you know, yeah, no, we've got more matches on the calendar. They're still not healthy, still not fully fit. Right. Fenty's so up and down from match to match, like to do what he does against Wake Forest and on the kickoff weekend and to lose the match the way he did last weekend. It's frustrating. Like it really is frustrating, Chris. Um, Fine. I'll give you a word here, Chris. I was going to box you up, but it's just, it just feels like we never know what Michigan we're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, well, I'm not even sold on the up and down from Fenty yet because I, (laughs) it's just down. Well, yeah. Well, for the, just for the reason that the only up that I can give him is the win over Karamov, 
which doesn't look very good right now because everybody's beating Karamov. So I'm not sure. I don't know what what to make of it. Maybe it was a good win. I need to see more from Karamov, but uh, but it doesn't seem at this point like uh, like even that potentially could have been all that great. So I think he's probably not in great form. And as you mentioned, Styler getting him down to three and not, and not being able to pull it off. That's painful. The, the good thing for them is they've got, you know, they're getting a couple matches in Illinois and Notre Dame coming up at home, two teams that they should beat, but are not cakewalks, right? I mean, they're good teams that they will, that will give them some push. And then they go on the road to TCU and they'll get another crack to get the confidence up. I mean, I presumably probably an indoor match it's March. I don't know. It's post indoors. Maybe it'll be outdoors, but but yeah, it'll be a, a another good one for them to try to get that confidence level uh, back up before they before they head into the the Big Ten season. Yeah. They also have a match with Baylor, right? Yeah. So uh, they're going to get plenty of chances, uh, you know, no, against the good team still. No doubt about that. And you know, two against Illinois, two against Ohio State. On a side note, if you're Harvard. You- you now have it. Like if you run the table in the Ivy League, wins over Pepperdine, wins over Michigan, you're probably a top 16 seed. So credit to the Crimson, man. Like they have earned it. It's been over a year and a half since they played. They are that good. And the recruiting classes apparently have not been lying to us. All right. We're rapid firing here. Two sentence or less, fellas. We're not going to get to all these matches. San Diego, 4-3 over uh, Arizona State, 5-2 loss to Arizona. Maddie, your thoughts on them and the Arizona swing? Mm, I don't really have much thoughts on that, to be honest, guys. I mean, they lose to Arizona. That's expected. I mean, Arizona State, I said this last week, I think they're just not the team. They're they're down this year. It's it's they're not as good as as we would hope they would be. And it it sucks because I really like Matt Hill. I mean, that's my guy, my zonals coach from, (laughs) I don't know, 12, 15 years ago or whatever it is. But uh, no, it. San Diego. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a good squad. So it's, I'm not totally shocked that they beat ASU. Chris, this is your strike zone. Give me the takeaway. Yeah. But my only takeaway really is the results as expected from a team standpoint, disappointing weekend for August Holmgren. Sure. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that was the takeaway is coming top ranked guy, great fall, getting off to a slow start to start the dual match season here. Um, but you know, the, Maybe he can get that behind him. But yeah, that those were the results that we expected to see Arizona knocking them off and them knocking off Arizona State. I remember Coach Ray, it's at College Tennis Ranks, not at AL Gruskin for your criticism there of Chris. All right. How about the wild? That'll just be a straight text. It won't go yeah, out on Twitter. Exactly. Really <laughs> nice weekend for Northwestern, though. 4-3 over Duke, 4-3 over Princeton. They're your third best team in the Big Ten. Is it them? Is it Illinois? Like, is it Michigan? I mean, the point is Northwestern's slowly working its way. Like, I would argue Northwestern has better wins right now than Michigan does. Better wins than Illinois does right now. Now, it's still very early, but those are two really good wins. They should have lost to Duke, guys. I'm just yeah. telling you, it, it, Garrett Johns was up like 5-2 in the third or something like that. I mean, he had that match against Foreman. Yeah, but Steve's a fighter, man. He is. He's a tough lefty. I like him. I Plays do. but big. It, but Garrett... <laughs> That's just a match that I really, I really wanted Garrett to come through and win that match. Sure. Duke, Duke had put themselves in a position to win it, and they really, they really should have. Um, but credit to credit to Northwestern. I mean, they battled and and they picked up a couple of good wins. So yeah, no, I agree. Gruskin, third best team in the in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's fair right now. 
Chris, floor is yours. I do want to point out I'm still at the Nielsen Tennis Center, some club tennis action going around, which, God, just love being in a tennis environment. Atrocious hook on court number five right beneath me. Oh, my God. Just atrocious hook. God, it's so nice to be back. Sorry, and go his, ahead. his first two initials didn't match. No, <laughs> just <laughs> surprise. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Uh, yeah, I definitely. I, I mean, behind behind Ohio State and and Michigan, absolutely. I mean, the Northwestern has looked good. I think it's it's a it, it's kind of like the ACC, where you've got two teams that are probably at this point clearly sitting above everybody else. And then you got some folks battling for what comes what comes next. But definitely Northwestern, a couple good wins for them. Uh, they're a great team. They don't quite. I mean, I just they don't have that. It's a step, you know. It's a step up to get to the talent levels that are on those next schools from where they're at. But they're. I mean, they are they are a good team that's doing well with what with what they've got, and they are going to play probably a lot of those four, three type, you know, matches that are going to come down to the end, just like they did with Duke and and they pulled it out. Yeah, fair. All right. Three in a row for you, Chris, Tulsa, Memphis, Pepperdine, all earning wins. Tulsa for three over Pepperdine, Pepperdine for two over Oklahoma state, Memphis for three over Alabama NCAA implications. And by the way, huge shout out to you, Scotty B, who I know is sticking around to hear some Baylor, Texas analysis. We'll get there in a moment. And I appreciate all of your comments as always, Scotty, uh, but go ahead, Chris. Yeah, Tulsa, big, big win for Tulsa over Pepperdine. So you, you you threw Tulsa and Pepperdine in there. So disappointing loss, undoubtedly, for, for Pepperdine to to Tulsa, you know, especially when talking as you were about NCAA implications. What, what yeah, we're laughing because Maddie just threw on a new Baylor hat, but go ahead. Sorry, Chris. He's got, he's got the new the new Baylor hat. I mean, we're live. We can talk about the South Carolina win tonight, right? Uh, you know, South Carolina knocked off Wake Forest today. But yeah, I, I think that was a that was a big win for Tulsa. And that's going to mean something for them coming down the wire uh when we start talking NCA implications in terms of getting in the tournament. Pepperdine squarely in the tournament, but somebody that was fighting to try to, you know, try to fight for a top 16 seed clearly on the outside looking in for that at this point. And that was a, you know, that was a somewhat costly loss. There. still a very good team that I, you know, I think is going to be, you know, solid all year. And then who's the, who's the second team you asked me about? Yeah, I like it. Good. Memphis over Alabama. For oh, three. Memphis. Yeah. I watched, I watched that. Uh, yeah. With Alabama, that was a, uh, I mean, that was clutch that the Alabama team has not looked great early. And I mean, a lot of new faces, but some really talented kids, kids that made final French Open junior doubles. Uh, I mean, that there's some talent on that team. They haven't managed to put it together yet. But, but, But for Memphis, you know, I watched their match with Mississippi State, obviously. I think it was a 4 1 score, which looked on the score sheet lopsided. That match was nowhere near that lopsided. That was a very tight match. They played Mississippi state. Well, they went in and did their, their thing against Alabama. It is, that's a good Memphis team. Uh, I, I like what I see from them. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, Maddie, same to you. No, I have nothing else to add. That's on what I matches. like. So then let me give you some new ones then uh, into the mix. Um, you're right. By the way, that was a terrible question. Listeners who are seeing uh, this right now live know I was totally texting at the end of that answer from Chris because, you know, every so, uh, you know, uh, here's what I'll say. A non-washed mid-prime Greg Maddox would have remembered all three teams I asked him about. That's all I'm saying, Chris. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
I know, post, post prime, you, 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 you put off as a compliment until you added washed up post prime. Yeah. Clearly that's not a compliment anymore. <laughs> All right. Let me say this post prime in a lot of respects, but let me just say the prime of Chris Hallioris was freaking good. It was real good. <laughs> and I would argue I mean, professionally still in that prime. And so professional was, prime. Yeah, it was good. That, that prime was D3 number six with no backhand. <laughs> it was outstanding. Have you seen the movie <laughs> The Departed? Either of you guys? Come on. Yes, no, no maybe. So you haven't seen The Departed. I don't watch movies. Is yeah. that a Leo movie? Oh, my God. Hard assignment for both of you. Yeah, it, it's literally DiCaprio and Scorsese, Wahlberg, Damon, all of them. I was going to make a reference and say, oh, it's working over time, but you don't even know what I'm referring to. So who is no. that for? Hopefully all of you listeners. Yes. And by the way, super producer Danny Westoff chimes in. He says, I have top 10 movie ever. And let me just say a line I like to say to both of you, quite frankly, frequently, you may not know where I ripped it off from is maybe, maybe not. Maybe F yourself. I got that from The Departed. That's maybe my favorite line of it. It was like, maybe, maybe not. I, I can't swear because we're live. Anyways, we are well over the 15 minutes. You get two words and then we're moving on. USC, 4-2 Cal. Matt. Good? Good. As it, Yeah. Uh, as expected is two words. As expected. All right, Chris. No, you can have more than two. You get. I, no I say, I'm going to have to make this sound like two words. Closer than it should have been. <laughs> Is that two words? Yeah, I like that. Good bounce back from Arizona. You mentioned for South Carolina. You get two sentences on this one. South Carolina, 4-2 over Georgia Tech. That was funky. Then the win today over Wake. Much better from the Gamecocks. Right, yeah, very, encur- Chris, very encouraging today just because they haven't. Uh, I mean, they've been winning, but not in the most convincing fashion to clinch at 4-0. And then I don't even know where it ended up. 5-2 or, or 6-1. I'm not sure because uh, they did play five, it two, out. Five, but, uh, yeah. 5-2. Yeah, it was a v- very convincing from them today. And that was with Kungu back in the lineup for Wake. So, so yeah, very encouraging. I think that things look better for them. Still not sure what the answer is at, you know, six for them. Yeah, I like it. The, yeah, go ahead, Maddie. I was just going to say, finally, we got a result from South Carolina that I think we were expecting, you know, preseason. We we thought South Carolina, I mean, borderline top 10, you know, team. Um, that's the type of statement match that that I think we were looking for over Wake. So very good win for for the Gamecocks, for sure. I, I agree with you there. All right. Here's my the- other takeaway. I, I mentioned this to Maddie pre-broadcast. Rodriguez is Draxel Jr., when it comes to the scoreboard, he plays three sets. He'll just, it doesn't matter. Six love, six, one, whatever you want. You can have the first set. We're playing three, every match. He and Draxel both. They just love to play three sets. Did it again today. No, that's good. I like it. And again, a lot of good results out there. The only ones left for us to talk about, and we're going to skip through this shout out to Auburn four, three over Georgia tech, Oklahoma five, two over Arkansas, Notre Dame, sneak good five, two win over middle Tennessee state. Cal 4-0 over UCLA, but last but certainly not least, Baylor Bears 6-1 over Texas. Maddie, put that hat back on immediately. I'm asking you to put on the Baylor Bears hat here as you analyze them. Ruckus crowd. And yep. Baylor came out. We had this match on our broadcast. Baylor was up 5-1 and 5-2 on number one and three doubles in the blink of an eye. Now, they that doubles point got a little bit more complicated. Ultimately, they take it. But Maddie... Baylor was up from the start of this match. They put their foot on the gas pedal and they cruised through this one. That's by far the best the Bears have looked this season. 
But that right there is a team that looks like number two, number one in the country sort of material. Oh, yeah. They stepped up. I was proud of my guys. I mean, that's a tough match. Texas, we know, is a really good team. Doesn't matter that it's indoors. I don't think Nick would have done that to Waldeep. I don't think Nick would have done it to him. Eh, look, Marco stepped up. I mean, he, <laughs> he really did. I was impressed with Marco's performance. Really, all the guys. I mean, again, from doubles, they came out hot. And then, you know, the doubles point did get a little bit tight. I think that's one thing that they can clean up is like, hey, in dubs, like, we're up a couple breaks. Like, let's close those out. But that's all right. I mean, I, I was just impressed with the poise, with the energy, and just with the overall level of play, because Baylor hadn't played, you know, a top squad up until that point, really. I mean, they played Miami or whatever, but um, that's nowhere near the same caliber. So I'm, I'm very encouraged um, with my, with my Baylor bears. I, I think they looked great and yeah, we'll see what they do at indoors and, and even against Virginia on, um, on Saturday. Chris, final words on last week's results go to you, whether it's Baylor, whether it's anything we missed, your thoughts on all of it. Yeah, well, I mean, Baylor, I was on the call with you in that. Yeah, as you said, the doubles was, you know, a little trickier than it looked like it was going to be. But they just, yeah, they just ran away quick and single. Super impressive from them. Uh, You mentioned the one that kind of did catch my eye, and that was that Notre Dame 5-2 win over Middle Tennessee. We, I mean, we know Middle Tennessee's got a good team. They, uh, you know, they put up a bunch of good results last year off to an okay start this year. They've got some talented players. I was not, honestly... I thought it might be close. I wasn't expecting a 5-2 Notre Dame win uh, in Tennessee. So that's a, that was a good match. I think that's a great result for, for Notre Dame and, and maybe a good sign that there's going to be some healthy competition in that whole middle pack in the ACC. Yeah, no, again, really, really fun times right now. Parody, the name of the game. We had so many 4-3 matches to touch on this week. Speaks to, again, the quality of performance you see match in, match out. Maddie's holding it up on the broadcast here. Baylor Bears, as impressive as anyone else. There were a ton of teams who impressed in week three, four, whatever we want to say here to end month number one of the college tennis season. With all of that said, those are results here from the past week of division one men's college tennis. Now there's still a couple of things left. We have to do, of course, before we do any of them, want to give one more shout out to our friends at swing vision. And some of you again, have heard us say this on court line technology. How is it going to be solved at a cheap and affordable price for all of these coaches? It's simple swing vision app. That's the place to do it. You go into click on the link here on this podcast description. You can find out how to get signed up with swing vision right away. Of course, if you let them know, we sent you by using our promo code crack 20, you get a $20 discount off of your account plus a free 14 day pro trial. Again, whether it's documenting your own play, incorporating things like the electric line calls, all of these things could be made possible because of our friends at swing vision, immensely grateful for their support again to learn more about the swing vision mobile app just click on the link you find in this podcast description with that said a couple of things left for us to discuss and we're going to go through fast here at the end start with the ita rankings you know again you take them all with a grain of salt at this point right because certainly you look at these rankings it's pre-national indoor some of them filled out you know for the usda pool you had to fill it out without the monday results in mind i'll start with you maddie Actually, I'm going to start with our rankings guru. I don't mean to be disrespectful here, but this is his bread and butter, Chris. Floor is yours. On the spot with any individual singles or doubles things because I didn't look at them. I don't care. <laughs> they're, 
they're not accurate this early. The sample size is too small. I, I don't even, you know, and it doesn't mean anything, you know, it doesn't matter until the end of the season. So there's no point in even looking. So I didn't. Uh, so unless you quiz me on something, uh, I have no idea team. Um, I think the team rankings, you know, as we've gone on each week from the coaches, uh, poll, and there's only, I think one more, uh, actually there are none left. This will be the last one because there's no rankings next week pr- prior to indoors. And then the following week will be computer. So this will be the last coaches poll. I think they've gotten better. Uh, the only, uh, I think Caleb Dillard commented online about the interesting, and I thought, well, what was interesting, the only thing that varied more than two spots from anywhere I had ranked anybody was Wake Forest. Uh, I think they're all pretty, and, and then they go, and then I feel vindicated when they lose today. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think they're, they're generally, you know, really, really good at this point. So I have no issues with the team rankings whatsoever. Maddie, same question. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Chris there. You know, from a from a singles and doubles perspective, I looked at them, of course. I went through and, and I, I glanced at it, but they're so off base. It's not even worth spending too much time on. I, I'm totally with Chris there. You know, you've got guys that are ranked that aren't even playing in, in lineups. They're the number seven guy that's ranked 30 in the country. Like, it, weird stuff is going on with the rankings from that perspective. So, um, you know, we'll we just have to continue playing and those will even out over the course of the season for the team. I also agree with Chris. I think they're getting better and better. Wake, obviously too high. They shouldn't have been above Virginia or Stanford. Um, You know, I think that's pretty clear, but yeah, no, the, uh, the, the team rankings are getting better. I don't have really any major issues either because, you know, almost I'm looking at it here. I've probably got nine of the 10 teams that the coaches put in the top 10. I've got in my top 10. So Pretty no, accurate. My issue, why put North Carolina at 23 when there are teams who have just been better this year? Like Northwestern deserved the top 25 spot this week and that they were boxed out by North Carolina. It's the most marginal thing. Feels a little unkosher. It's like that's the one thing I would change directionally. I agree with you. Team rankings look very, very accurate. I'll say this. Arthur Ferry is the number one singles player in the country. Cash and Botzel is the number one doubles team in the country. I can get behind that. Like, I think at the very, very top of these individual rankings right now, it's accurate. But to your point, sample size, far too small at this point to put too much value into anything. That is why we produce our own rankings here at Crack Rackets. Of course, we focus on the team for now. As soon as Chris retires from the real job, we'll let him code whatever he wants into our Crack Rackets individual rankings. But you look at our Crack Rackets top 10 right now. I mean, I don't want to say there's drama at the top of our rankings, but there is a bit of a disagreement between us and the coaches poll. You look in particular, we agree. Number one, Ohio State. Number two for us, we have a tie actually between Baylor and Tennessee. You look at the coaches poll, Tennessee, number two, Baylor, number three. I will say we have a tie right now because John Parsons, our friend Jay, not quite as high up uh, on on the Baylor Bears right now, valuing some of the matches played by other teams uh, as opposed to the three of us are. I know he wouldn't mind me saying that publicly. I will say this. I agree with Jay. Who's the coach that voted for Tennessee? in the coaches poll. Like, did you not watch the Ohio state Tennessee match? Like I get the vote for Baylor. I actually have no problem with that. If you're saying, well, I want to see the bears tested more. I can't just carte blanche wrote Ohio state. I get the reasoning for that. Come on now. Like, what are we doing here? 12 votes, 10 Ohio state, one Baylor, one Tennessee. 
that would be one of my only gripes. Otherwise, you look for it again for us. Ohio State won. Baylor, Tennessee tied for two. TCU in that four spot. Florida five. Stanford rising up to six. UVA seven. We have Wake and Kentucky tied for eight. I won't lie. That's my bad. I forgot to switch something. Maddie asked me to switch. It happens every so often. Number 10, University of Georgia. I mean, I disagree with 10. I know we've talked about this already, but I feel like directionally, yeah, this I feel pretty good about this. Maddie, then Chris, final reactions here. Yeah, I don't have Georgia in the top, t- not in my top 10, so I don't know who and put him in before, Chris, yeah. I think Chris might have put him in there, or Jay, or somebody put Georgia in there. I did not, though. Um, but no, other than that, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with this. I mean, I think, yeah, I'm looking at it. Ohio State, Baylor, Tennessee. I mean, that's exactly how I had mine, um, you know, with the exception of, of Georgia in there. I think I had USC, uh, the Trojans, at, at number 10 for me. Mm-hmm. No, I had South Carolina. So, again, I feel smart. Oh, that looks that even way. better. That like, looks a little better now after today, too. There's a reason I'm the host of this show, gentlemen. Chris. Uh, uh, you, what do you mean? You got lucky. <laughs> what are you talking about? You, you, that's that's luck. <laughs> Chris. Yeah, blind squirrel, Maddie. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I like ours better. Certainly, like Maddie said, there's no way Wake should have been up at six where they were. They're good. But, you know, I think we all had them down, you know, down there at the 910 spot uh, type area. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And I did. Yeah, I have Georgia 10. Uh, I think Maddie had uh, had USC 10. You had South Carolina. Um, and I'll, I will say, yeah, South Carolina is super impressive with that win today. Maybe they do deserve to be there. Yeah. Well, again, I, foresight. That's what I do best. It's, I'm a visionary. They say I, what's right in front of me. Couldn't tell you, but visionary towards the future. That's what, what do we always joke about? Chris, we're rather be a year or two soon than a year behind. And so, yeah, that's what we do best here at crack rackets with all of that said, again, we're going to try and get these shows to an hour at some point of this season, a little difficult to do that when there's so much action, so much unknown here early in the year, of course, again, Unforced error on my part. Forgot to tell Super Producer Daniel stuff to help me plan a week ahead. Therefore, we don't have a graphic. Of course, we still have to give you all the perspective here because, yes, while us here at Crack Rackets going to be locked in on the women's national indoors, there are a ton of fun men's matches throughout the country happening this weekend. Maddie, then Chris, give me the matches you're watching most closely. Oh, gee. Well, number one for me is obviously going to be Baylor, Virginia. That's number one on my list. That's the featured event, I think. But there's other good ones, too. Right. I I have a goofy question. You know what? I get to ask this question. It's still my show. I've tried to filter this sort of goof out because I don't like to get in trouble anymore. But it's still my show. Does Brian Boland attend this match, Maddie and Chris? No, no. (laughs) Brian Boland does not attend this match. Chris, I'm, I'm pretty confident of that he's on the stream <laughs> now that right that may be a hundred percent true i'm talking in person actually yeah. there oh yeah, no, no. I, no, uh, no I, I was gonna make another joke i'm not gonna make that joke though maddie again why are you excited for this match oh well it's it's a top 10 matchup i mean it's two awesome teams that are gonna go go to battle i mean i'm super excited to see how that plays out i'm confident that baylor will get the job done at home hopefully the crowd comes out again and everybody's loud um i fully expect that to happen but no i mean there's some other matches too gruskin how about kentucky and ohio state i mean we have coach cal kentucky's basketball coach tweeting out support for the tennis team how cool is that that's awesome so um i'm 
I'm definitely looking forward to that. I do think Ohio State will win, of course, but, um, you know, Kentucky's a super dangerous team, and that's one that I will definitely have my eye on. I know, Chris, I'll leave this one for Chris. I won't say too much about it. Mississippi State is at TCU, um, so that's going to be an interesting match. I'll definitely have my eye on that. Um, you know, and and those are really some of the main ones that I would say. Um, Virginia also, after the Baylor match, they do go to TCU as well. Uh, so I will be interested to see how that one ends up. That's a tough, tough road trip for Virginia. They, they play at Ohio State this past weekend. Then they go to Texas. They're at Baylor. They're at TCU. I mean, good Lord. Talk about a tough schedule. That's ridiculously tough. Um, you know, and then I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Wake Forest also plays Ohio State as well. We talked about that earlier. That's another one that I've got to tune into for the number one team in the country. So those are some of the big ones for me. Chris, anything you'd like to add there? What are you going to be watching for in those matches? Yeah, I mean, so so all of those, obviously the duels, the dual matches for Ohio State, Kentucky, Wake Forest, those are those are big. The Virginia matches, Baylor, TCU. Yes, Mississippi State at TCU. I'm not even going to dwell there because I don't think the, I don't think. Uh, oh, come on. I'm, I'm not holding out. Tons of hope for an upset. It's going to be tough Chris, to play there. But, come on, hey, maybe not an upset, but what about a closely contested dual match? Yeah, for absolutely. I think uh, I, I think there are some spots that we you know that Mississippi State can can do really well at. Uh, yeah, and and that'll be interesting to see. But uh, but yeah, uh, it's they, we couldn't get it done at home last year. Going to have to. It's going to take something special to get revenge on the road. Uh, another interesting one I'm looking forward to is uh, South Carolina at North Carolina. Um, so that's a, a Sunday match. Obviously, South Carolina is going to be the, the favorite there, but that could, and it's at North Carolina. That could be a sneaky jump up and surprise you if, you know, if North Carolina, for North Carolina, the top guys clearly have to show up and win for them to have a shot. But if that happens, you know, you, you never know. So that, that could be, uh, a sneaky good match, if you will. And there's a couple other interesting ones, A&M, USF, uh, you know, Illinois at Michigan, Gruskin. Uh, <laughs> Michigan you know, that, should roll. Yeah. That, that's out there. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, the, I think those are probably the biggest ones. Yeah. No, again, a lot of good ones throughout the course of the weekend. I'll be watching Denver at Air Force. That's more my speed or, of course, you know, for super producer Daniel Westoff, because obviously I know where his eyes are going to be. We'll be watching Quincy at St. Louis, the doubleheader Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time, 1230 a.m. Eastern time as well for that doubleheader. It'll be, you know, I think super producer Daniel Westoff might say we're going to delay the national indoor stream for a little Quincy at St. Louis action, folks, or he'll text me go live to St. Louis match point uh so expect that little surprise there for all of you know of course again so many great matches over the course of the weekend uh it's going to be disappointing for us here that we're not going to get to watch them on our crack rackets feed but of course we are so excited to be covering some other fantastic college tennis this weekend as we are locked in on the division one women's national indoors here in madison wisconsin again for coverage from first ball to last of the event tune in to our cracked records youtube channel it'll be myself it'll be my cation super producer daniel westoff on the ones and twos inevitably you'll get the chris halley or john parsons messages in our cracked records youtube feed as well as we break down all of the action try to figure out which of the top 16 teams in the country has 
earned the right to be named the national indoor champion this season. Again, all of that coverage Friday through Monday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Won't want to miss out on any of the action. Of course, we'll try to do preview podcasts before each and every show. Try to talk with John Parsons as frequently as I can. I have a podcast coming up later tonight that'll be available for all of you tomorrow morning before the matches get started. But of course, we'll recap cap all the action then be back next week to talk about it all at length as well of course a huge shout out to all of you fans to all of you coaches players for your continued support of our efforts here at cracked rackets why are we able to host the national indoors on our cracked rackets youtube channel because you guys have proven that you know again our college tennis community here at cracked rackets as strong as any out there and again we are immensely grateful for the opportunity to broadcast this weekend's action we know it would not have happened without your continued support all of you continuing to tune in to our coverage with all that said Again, we'll be back next week to cover all of the action. Deciding point Tuesday night to recap the women's event. Deciding point Thursday night. We'll have to figure out. We might make that an ITA kickoff preview just because I don't know if we're going to be able to co- record two episodes back to back. And I'll be in Seattle. Things are going to get funky there as well. So, of course, tentative schedule the same as this week. We'll get back to you more specifically as we move on. Of course, again, you want to hear more from Cannon Kingsley. Cracked Interviews podcast is the place for you. You'll be able to hear that entire conversation on tomorrow's podcast feed. Uh, with all that said, four, I assume you guys have all of your final thoughts out of the way because God knows we win an hour 37 here tonight. So four. Oh, by the way, a shout out to super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos. Fantastic job as always. But four. My fantastic co-host, Matt the Cracks, the Koyak, super pro- uh, and Chris Hallior. Sorry, Chris. Our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Now we've gone from hooks on court five to the players out there are giving me the meanest look, so it's time to sign off. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, hey. great shot. Great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. <laughs>